Hey, welcome in to everybody's favorite podcast to talk about all things email design, development, and marketing. We are your hosts. I'm Kevin Manville. And I'm Jason Rodriguez. And today's theme on the podcast is it's got to be the wild world of webmails. There's just a lot of stuff going on in the webmail world, Jason. So let's get into it. Yeah, potentially the biggest news is a rumored coming update to Gmail's web client. Uh, So TechCrunch reported back on April 11th uh, that Gmail is going to be introducing a new interface for their webmail experience, uh, first rolling out to G Suite customers and then potentially to everybody else. Uh, But this is following a fairly drastic redesign, um, and it's kind of hot on the heels of this calendar redesign that we've all seen. Um, so a lot of kind of info to uh, kind of break apart here, both from like the user interface and then some of the functionality as well. And then what that means for uh, Google's other email clients. So along with the redesign, they're going to be bringing in some features that are familiar to inbox users. Um, so things like snoozing emails, uh, the quick reply features, uh, stuff like that's going to be making its way into Gmail proper, which is pretty cool to see. Um, the UI interface is, I think, uh, or the user interface is probably the biggest update, though, that's going to be a complete overhaul of the Gmail experience that we're all familiar with. That's going to be taking a lot of design cues from Inbox by Gmail. It's going to have some redesigned, uh, that main Inbox view, redesigned sidebars. Uh, there's a rumor that it's going to be bringing in the calendar view on the right-hand side so people can pop that open and see it pretty easily, um, which will be really good from a productivity standpoint and you know just a great experience for people. Um, but then we actually saw, so TechCrunch report on that April 11th. On April 12th, The Verge actually got screenshots of Gmail's new redesign interface, and uh, TechCrunch's reporting was spot on, um, but it's nice to see that confirmed with these screenshots that does have this very modern, clean uh, design that's driven by that material design uh, approach that Google uses on Android and across a lot of their other properties. Um, But yeah, really interesting to see these new features coming to Gmail and this new user interface coming to Gmail too. Uh, The question now is, what's that going to mean from a rendering standpoint if this update brings any new bugs or quirks that email designers and developers are going to have to account for? And then what happens to Inbox by Gmail since a lot of those features that were started over in, in Inbox are now making their way to Gmail proper? Uh, is Inbox by Gmail going to stick around? Is it going to be kind of like an experimental test bed so they can uh, kind of get some feedback on those features before porting them over to Gmail proper? Or is Inbox just going to completely go away when these new features and this new design rolls out for Gmail? Uh, so what do you think, Kevin? What's what's the fate of Inbox and what's the fate of Gmail with these new updates? So I think Inbox has always been an experimental playground for them. Gmail is so big, right? There's over a billion people using Gmail that they can't just easily make changes there. It's just going to cause too much of a disruption. So smart, you just release an app for early adopters and see what people like and you you can really move quickly and make a lot of changes there. And then for the things that sort of pass the test, just bring those into Gmail. Uh, I don't think Inbox is going to go anywhere for that reason because they can use it as a way to innovate on new ideas. Uh, So I don't think Inbox is going anywhere. I mean, unless their sole purpose was to simply test out this set of specific features, but I don't think so. I think there's going to be, I think it's going to keep going. Um, I think really when I look at all these screenshots, it looks like very minor changes. I mean, yeah, it's a UI change, 
I think probably the calendar view is probably going to be the most productive and helpful having that side by side from a user standpoint. But overall, I think a lot of this will be um, not that big of a change for many users. And I don't think there's going to be any rendering changes at all. I don't expect that to happen. Um, I think really just the bigger question is, is these are the first steps of bringing inbox into Gmail. What else could there be that comes from inbox? Um, I think really, since this is the first time we're seeing inbox now come into Gmail and they're not bringing everything over yet. Mm -hmm. So I think it'll be interesting to see, well, what else are they going to bring over? Yeah, totally. Um, I am kind of curious just because I know a lot of people have had a bad reaction to the redesign Google Calendar. Um, And I feel like that was a very drastic change for the user interface from the old version and the new version. Uh, So, yeah, the screenshot doesn't look like super crazy compared to uh, existing Gmail. But I think we need to test it out a little bit when we get our hands on and see if there are any things that will kind of bug users um, or completely change that experience that they're used to. But I guess we'll see when this starts rolling out there. The Google's developer conference is coming up in May. Um, I think it's that first or second week in May. And so I think we can probably expect some more announcements, some more information about Gmail after that conference. So we'll keep you all updated. That's a good point. And on the TechCrunch article, they did say, according to the email that got sent out, G Suite customers and regular Gmail users, they'd have to opt into the early adopter program to access this new Gmail. And it should be available in the coming weeks. So if you're really keen on getting your hands on to this new UI and these new features they're integrating, make sure you get onto the early adopter program for Gmail. Sticking in the world of webmails, we've got news from Yahoo Mail. So Yahoo Mail has launched a whole bunch of updates, which include faster uh, loads, so improved performance, photo themes, RSVPs, and improve out of office. So again, these are all user-facing changes. We're not talking about rendering changes here. Um, so it, it, I think it, this is interesting that there is this investment into Yahoo. Uh, they're making a much bigger deal of the Oath brand now, even though it still is Yahoo. Uh, they have a new president and CEO, uh, K. Guru Gorapin. I know I'm going to get that name wrong, but uh, so a new COO of the parent Oath. And, you know, th- they mentioned how at least last year they had over 225 million users of Yahoo Mail on email client market share.com we're still only seeing around three percent so it pales in comparison to uh, gmail obviously uh, but it's up there along with outlook.com uh, i guess you could say um, but yeah it's really just they, they've done a ton of work you know they, they mentioned a bunch of performance stats like 50 percent reduction in javascript exceptions 20 percent reduction in api failures on and on. And then just, you know, a a bunch of these just user facing things, more calendar types of uh, integration, improved UI, um, you know, out of office stuff, you can set photo backgrounds. Um, I think what the key point to take away from here is obviously they're trying, I think they're trying to with Gmail kind of being in the news lately uh, for multiple reasons. I think they're trying to get promotion for Yahoo Mail, but I think it's interesting. This is where the investment is going for Oath and not AOL. So for me, 
this again just speaks to my larger belief that AOL Mail will be sunsetted at some point. That has to be on the horizon. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, they don't seem to be investing a lot in AOL Mail. Uh, all their love is going to Yahoo. So I think we could probably expect that at some point. Um, so I guess we'll keep our eyes on, on those web mails and uh, you know, update everybody about any developments that we find out there in the world of email. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and remind everybody to check out all the episodes of the Email Design Podcast at emaildesignpodcast.com. Uh, if you have any questions for us, if you want to talk about email, uh, do it on Twitter. We follow along on the hashtag email design podcast, and we love getting questions and interacting with all of you over there. Uh, if you want to subscribe, you can do that through SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. So your podcast uh, app of choice, we're on all three of those. Uh, if you want to follow along with the videos, then check those out on YouTube or just go to emailsignpodcast.com where we post all of the shows, show notes, the videos, all that good stuff. Uh, shout out to our sponsor, Litmus. Uh, we both work for Litmus, but we love the product and have been using it for a long, long time now, years and years. Uh, you can check out a 14-day free trial of Litmus by going to litmus.com slash gift card and using the coupon code podcast. That'll get you access to around 100 different email clients to test your email campaigns in. Uh, you can start building emails using Litmus Builder, which is the only code editor built specifically for email design development, has integration with email previews, so you can quickly update your code and check out how that code renders in, again, those 100 different email clients. You can try out email analytics, which allows you to test or uh, track all of your emails, uh, see where people are opening them, what email clients they're using, how long they're actually engaging with your email campaigns, all of that good stuff. So a lot of great products, a lot of new stuff coming out soon. Uh, so definitely check out Litmus by going to litmus.com slash gift card and using the coupon code podcast. I wanted to make everybody aware of some free resources out there. Uh, this is a massive, massive treasure trove uh, from the folks over at Chameleon. Chameleon, but Malin said Chameleon, uh, which is a tool for uh, email building, uh, content management. It's kind of this collaboration tool where it allows you to uh, have different team members build email campaigns, manage content, all that good stuff. Um, but they release over on their blog 900, over 900 free responsive email templates uh, to help people with building and sending great email campaigns. So a ton of different resources out there. This is a great roundup post for anybody looking to get their hands dirty with HTML emails. Uh, if you don't have the skills to build your own email templates, then this is a great starting point. Uh, a couple of our favorites that I noticed they included here, obviously Litmus, the Litmus community. We have a bunch of free email templates out there. Uh, we also have our kind of homegrown, our home-built Slate email templates, uh, which they shouted out there, which was great. Uh, I love some of the stuff from MJML and Zurb. Uh, Send With Us has some great stuff for, you know, marketing stuff for transactional emails. So if you're looking for an email template, then you're bound to find one, a good starting point somewhere in this over 900 email templates. I guess if you can't find it here, uh, chances are you're going to have to build it yourself, but this is a good place to start. Yeah, the largest collection of templates ever assembled in human history. Pretty impressive uh, to put it all together in one place. So, yeah, good point. If, if you can't find it, you, know, you got to do it yourself. Bit, yeah. yeah. All right. So I want to go over this post. Interesting post. I thought Campaign Monitor uh, assembled some research from various places around interactive email. Always a hot topic, hot button issue that seems to be the talk of the town. Uh, I guess we have Mark Robbins to think about that for the most part and Rebel over there. Um, 
So some of the key points that they I, I want to highlight from the article, consumers, they say they want to be entertained. So uh, according to DemandGen, 91% of B2B buyers prefer to consume interactive and visual content. Uh, Kapost also said that interactive content generates two times more conversions than passive content. Uh, and respondents, they, they said it was more enticing uh, than images uh, in videos when it comes to interactive content. 69% of them preferring GIF, 65% preferring video, but 82% preferring interactivity over any form. Um, it's a consumers reported that they're more likely to buy from a brand that is fun, lively, and inspirational, and that they also reported they're more likely to buy from a brand that makes them feel entertained. So, and feeling curious was a distant second. Um, so, I thought those were those were interesting points. Uh, and then also uh, a couple more stats. Uh, GIF versus static. So people would say that uh, 69% prefer GIF, 31% to static, and 65% would prefer video, 35% to text. And then between interactive and static, 82% interactive to 18% static. So you can kind of see that progression when I break down just those core numbers. Um, so I thought those were interesting. This is what people are say they like asking for. And I always think it's interesting because, and we just had a webinar on this recently together, Jason, around uh, interactive being one of the top trends people reported in 2018 from our own litmus survey. You can check out litmus state of email and we have more reports coming. So uh, check that out. But uh, I think it's interesting. Yes, it can be entertaining and it can be fun, but I don't know that it's always the most effective form of email marketing mm -hmm. and it shouldn't be used frequently or all the time. Like there has to be specific use cases for it. So I just, I always find this interesting when people say they love it and want it so much, um, especially because it can mean a whole bunch of different things. It could yeah. be interactive to staying within the email or it could be interactive to help lead you to a destination, but it reduces clicks in the process. So just curious what you think about uh, this research. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. I totally agree that if you're going to use interactive elements, then there should be a purpose behind them. Um, they should only be there to, you know, serve the the goal and message of that email campaign. Um, it's great to entertain people. And I, I like this research that says that people want to be entertained with email. Um, but I think even that entertainment should still serve some purpose in your email campaign. The thing I really like about this research, though, is that it's actual research on interactive emails, which I feel like has been lacking for a long time. This is something that I see, you know, I've seen a, a couple of talks like Mark Robbins give uh, a couple of talks on interactive email at a bunch of different conferences. And there's inevitably questions about, you know, how is interactive email, you know, what are the metrics behind it? How is it driving ROI? Uh, how many consumers actually want to get those interactive emails? So seeing some more data behind this and seeing such uh, compelling data like these these numbers are fairly amazing to read that people want interactive content that much um i think that that makes a good case this is data that anybody that wants to experiment with interactive email can take to stakeholders and better make the case that they should try out some of these techniques um, but again i would warrant that or kind of caution that you need that 
purpose behind those interactive elements. But then if you do have those ideas, if you do have stuff that you want to start testing out and if you found it hard to get by in, then take something like this study to those stakeholders and say, this is what people tell us that they want. Let's test this out and see if it actually works for our brand. Yeah, this is great research to get buy-in of which we do not have many resources available yeah. for that today. So that that is good that this exists. Uh, but, if, but if you're feeling left behind or left out, don't. Based on our own research, we found that 85% of people haven't done interactive email at all. So it's a very small minority right now. Don't feel bad that you aren't. You may not even necessarily have to if you don't have a good use case. It all comes down to your audience, your campaigns, you know, your strategy, what you're trying to achieve. Um, but yeah, this is this is good resources, this is good uh, studies to point to here. Uh, so thanks, Campaign Monitor, for wrapping that together. Uh, just one other item of news to note, probably won't be the biggest deal, but Windows 10, uh, they are uh, testing this out in a preview, but they're starting to force users to use Edge as a browser when links are clicked in an email, even if it isn't the default browser in the system. So this is a part of an insider preview build, so sort of a beta mode for them. Um, but they're testing this change. So it doesn't mean that it's officially coming or going to happen, but they're testing it out to where links clicked in an email, no matter what the default browser selected is by the user, it's going to open it up in Edge. Uh, the article here from the register says, Microsoft's justification for the change is that Edge is the best, most secure browser on Windows 10. Uh, so Jason, I would love to get your feedback or, or your perspective as to... Uh, What's going on with Windows 10 on this uh, thinking? Yeah, I don't expect this to actually be released. Um, I feel like when people start using this, they're going to get a lot of pushback because I know, I mean, this would annoy the hell out of me if, you know, Apple started forcing all links to open in Safari or something, even though I'm, I love Safari, I'm primarily a Safari user. But if you're overriding people's default settings and, Doing that, then it's it's definitely going to be a fairly shitty experience that you don't want <laughs> want to expose users. And the other thing is, you know, I I kind of get you know the security thing, but not really because most browsers today are very modern, very at par with each other. They're they're working on the same level to so to use you know Edge as the security as a scapegoat for why you're doing this just feels it almost feels disingenuous like i'm sure there might be a few minor edge cases where the security of edges like built-in native environment like might help out uh but for most things i feel like any other browser is going to do just as good a job keeping people safe as microsoft edges um so it feels a little bit weird for me it feels a little bit forced uh but again i don't necessarily expect this to make it into windows proper yeah i hope it doesn't either i i can understand if you if if users don't have like a default browser set or yeah. like this is the default for a user experience if it's their first time setting up the operating system and they're just using mail right but um yep. yeah you, you don't want to override a default user preference that is yeah. just bad practice i think so hopefully i'm sure they're going to get this feedback loud and clear but hopefully it doesn't make its way through uh, luckily, Edge is a really good rendering browser, so there shouldn't yep. really be much of a difference either way. On the rendering side, there's no rendering implications. This is just kind of a user experience thing, and obviously, if you're queuing your emails, um, just something to be on the lookout in case this does happen to make it full-fledged. 
All right, Jason, take, take us through uh, this email you found for our email of the week. Yeah, so maybe about a month or two ago, I bought an iPad app called PDF Expert and have been thoroughly enjoying the onboarding emails from the company Readle. Um, so this one's number two of six, which I really like setting the expectation uh, for your email campaigns in the subject line. So it says PDF expert tip number two of six. So I know exactly how many emails I'm going to get. I know exactly what they're related to these PDF expert tips. Um, So that's great. But from a design perspective, I feel like this email is doing a lot of really, really good stuff. Um, So the first thing you kind of notice is these beautiful illustrations that are actually animated GIFs that are going through some of these features. Uh, This email is focused on annotating PDFs. Um, So it's showing you all the different ways that you can actually annotate those PDFs. So it's showing things like highlighting, uh, this hand sketching that you can do to call out different things, the fact that you can add notes or even voice notes to these PDFs. Um, All this stuff is really, really cool. But the illustrations themselves are absolutely gorgeous. These are some of the better animated GIFs and illustrations that I've seen in an email before. Um, But on top of that, it's doing some really nice things design-wise, too. It's a nice, clean, uh, really uncluttered email. There's definitely a fair amount of content, but it's spaced out enough, and it uses things like bullet points. Uh, It uses really nice hierarchy between these sections. You have a dark, uh, bolded header as opposed to the slightly lighter, smaller text. Uh, Again, those bullet points, uh, these clearly defined sections make it really easy to scan through the email and digest that content. Um, And they're also, you know, at the very end, they want you to get more tips. Uh, So they have this video still with a play button, which is always a good technique to get people to click through to a landing page and watch that video on whatever you want them to watch. Um, But I just feel like this email is one of the better examples of a really nice onboarding email that I've seen lately. And it all works really well on mobile. Uh, All that stuff just stacks and it looks just as nice on mobile as it does on desktop. Um, but yeah, I just really love this email. The copywriting is great. The tips are absolutely perfect for that app. You know, it definitely lets me know what I can achieve using their app. Gives me a good sense of confidence when jumping over into their app and start using it. Um, and these illustrations are just so damn good. I, I love this email. Yeah, this is a great email. Uh, starting with the subject line, I love the emoji use and the fact that yep. their brand is red as well. It's just sort of on brand. So I know people are starting to get a little emoji crazy maybe with their subject lines, but I think this really fits in well with the brand. And I agree with your number two of six thing for the onboarding. That's great. Uh, The first thing that stands out to me actually is just the typography. Great, pure, live HTML text, uh, great hierarchy, great contrast between the headlines and sort of the subparagraphs. Everything's nice and big and bold too. So it's super easy to read and scan as well. As you mentioned, the illustrations just look fantastic. And I have to say this perspective one here down towards the bottom is one of the cooler animations and illustrations I've seen uh, in an email. I mean, that's that's just cool. I haven't really seen too many perspective flat design types of. Yeah, that just really stood out. Um, Very, very well done. Um, I guess the only downside and, and, and drawback, actually, the video I'm just looking at, I Again, that's a really good best practice. Downside, uh, this button looks like an image to me down here at the bottom. Yep, it is. Uh, So they're not using a bulletproof button. I guess that's the one bad thing. And then I guess uh, I didn't actually look. um, Actually, let me just do one just to get an idea. I don't know how big these images are because they use a lot. 
They could be waiting. Yeah, yeah. So let me just take a look and see if I can find out how big these are or not here quickly. Um, I might have trouble showing all this in one screen here. Actually, I should. You know what? I'm going to do this live. Uh, it's going to be a really roundabout way to get there, but let's just do it through litmus because then we'll get the full litmus checklist. And I can show all of them. So great, great feature of scope. I guess we're doing this on the fly, but whatever. You can always take it something that you scoped and export it to Builder. And then you can go to the top right, share email. And I'm just going to send a test to my um, litmus static email address. And then I'm just going to go to litmus.com slash checklist. And it's going to send that in, which is going to run a full loading image speed optimization analysis to see like, you know, uh, how many images there are, how long they were and how long they took to load. Here we go. And this is definitely running a little slow right now. I can tell with the size of my screen flow capture happening for this podcast is starting to beef up. Um, but we are going to get there. Here we go. Loading speed. Let's check it out. Oh, look at that. 631 kilobytes through 11 images. So don't tell me that you can't do really nice illustrations and not keep it, um, you know, nice and small. Uh, this one actually yeah. said 10.2 seconds time to load, which I think is probably just due to this error here, whatever this one is. Uh, looks like maybe a tracking pixel of some kind, but... Uh, it would not take 10 seconds to load these at all. Um, yeah, even though I, I downloaded the uh, really nice perspective one, and when I downloaded it, was 300 kilobytes, which is amazing. Because these things are like super smooth yes, looking too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, you can definitely achieve some really good stuff. You just have to, I guess, do it intelligently. Yeah. So I guess we got we got we to gotta reach out Riedel. Yo, Riedel, how did how you make your GIFs? You yeah. Know? How do you do that? Because they look really nice. All right. But yeah, that's, a, I guess, a fun little hack. You can export to Builder and then from Builder, you can send test emails going share email and checklist. You can look at your loading speed, check out your total number of images and image weight and load time. So fun little plug there, I guess. All right. That was a nice little fun episode. This edition of the email design podcast reminder, you can catch out the podcast at email full show notes, links, so all the articles we talked about today, they'll all be right there. You can uh, also get the full archive. We're approaching 100 episodes now. So make sure yeah, maybe some of the early ones are outdated at this point, but you can definitely catch up for a lot of the recent ones. Uh, be sure you can subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, YouTube, and iTunes. Tweet along with the hashtag email design podcast. And don't forget a free 14-day trial of Litmus. Just go to litmus.com slash gift card, coupon code podcast. 